that's my number one message for small business owners. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic pill. There's no magic shake. It takes time or it takes money or it takes both. Welcome to the Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Friends, you will love today's episode. It was so much fun and I think it's going to come through the speakers. Today, I get to nerd out about all things marketing for small business with my friend Ruthie Starrett of The Consistency Corner. Ruthie Starrett helps small business owners create marketing strategies and consistent content plans with her Consistency Corner marketing method. And I think you're going to hear a lot of similarities in the vision that both she and I share for how small business owners can successfully utilize the online space. And I really respect the way that Ruthie can explain things so clearly and really make them so easily digestible and actionable. And her process helps small business owners not just get views and gain awareness, which is important, but it also helps small business owners make a true impact and an income. She's a retail veteran turned self-taught marketer and agency owner, and she grew in entrepreneurship through her experience in blogging, direct sales, and health and wellness coaching, all while balancing a corporate job in retail marketing and being a mom. She's a Midwest native, but she's now in Florida, and she lives by the motto, work hard and be nice, which I know you are going to hear come through in today's interview. She loves small business. She loves talking marketing, and she loves to cheer on others in their pursuit of big goals. You are going to love this interview. So without further ado, here's my friend Ruthie of The Consistency Corner. Ruthie, I am so excited. We are just going to have marketing 45 minutes to an hour right here on the podcast. This is going to be a treasure trove for small business owners looking for marketing advice. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, Molly, I'm super excited to be here. And it's so funny, we hopped on our call and we're both on team jean jacket right now, which anytime I get on a call and somebody's wearing a jean jacket, I'm like, well, you're my people. So we're just gonna have a super fun conversation and everybody gets to listen in on the brilliant things we say. Uh, we are brilliant. Yes, I think that was <laughs> the perfect way to lead into this. We're also both rocking like the curly wavy hairstyle. So we're just really vibing this morning. Yeah. Oh, Ruthie. Okay. So I've already done a little bit of an introduction for the listeners, but I'm going to turn it over to you and let you, in your own words, tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're located and what you do. Yeah. So I, my name is Ruthie Starrett and I am the founder of the Consistency Corner, which is a content management and marketing strategy agency for small business owners. And I actually offer done for you services, but then I also offer done with you and some kind of courses and guidance for those that are still in the seat where they're doing it themselves. And the thing is, I started out my career in marketing. I actually have a detailed, long background in retail. Um, I was a retail manager and merchandiser for years and years and years. And people always told me, you should get into marketing. And I was like, I didn't go to school for that. I actually don't know anything about marketing, but thanks. And then when I had my son, I knew that I wanted to get out of traditional retail. I didn't want to work overnights. I didn't want to work weekends. I didn't want to work holidays. I loved what I did. I wish I just could have done it nine to five, but that's not a thing in retail. And so I wound up in a corporate retail position doing merchandising and I worked really closely with the marketing department. And because I knew retail and I knew people and I was studying 
branding and messaging and all of these things as part of the side hustle and network marketing that I had thrown myself into as well, because I needed more things to do, I guess. I was learning. And after about a year in that corporate role, I was given the opportunity to step into a marketing role and basically told the CEO, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll figure it out. And I figured it out. And I realized after a few years, as I was still kind of side hustling and trying to figure out what, how to better do health and fitness coaching and who I could serve and how I could help working moms, which is really who I felt called to serve. I was having a conversation with a friend and telling them about the success I'd had with my corporate career. And they were like, give yourself some credit. Like you taught yourself how to do this. And this brand in part of because of what you've done has been super successful. You can teach other people how to do that. And it was like light bulb went off. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. And so I pivoted my business and went, decided to become a marketing strategist and created a signature method and the content freaking poured out of me because it's like, this is what I was meant to be doing. And, you know, for a good 18 months, I worked on that. I worked on my method. I launched my podcast. I spoke on other people's podcasts. I beta tested some courses with some clients and all the while working my corporate job. And the thing was, is my corporate job was super demanding. The brand was growing rapidly. I was getting more people on my team, taking on more projects. And when my son went to first grade, you know, he went to kindergarten, school was, we struggled with kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And he'd been in daycare his whole life. I'd always worked full time. He'd always been in daycare, but kindergarten, there was a struggle there. And we ended up having to change schools. And when we changed schools, he did not have aftercare. And we made the decision that I would tell my boss that I'm leaving every day at three o'clock because we don't have aftercare. And my husband said, well, what if your boss says no? And I was like, well, then I'll say I don't work here anymore because this is what my son needs. And this is the decision. And in that moment, I made the decision that I was going to go full time in my business. And uh, we had that conversation. We tried it for a few weeks. We went back and forth. It wasn't working. And eventually I resigned. And when I resigned, I didn't have any clients. I didn't have any income. I had nothing. But then the capacity opened up for me because it had been taken up by this demanding corporate job. And when the capacity opened up within a month, I landed two clients. I landed a freelance role and I was able to replace my corporate income within three months. And it was because of the consistency in the work that I had done in the 18 months prior around my branding and my method and my messaging and who I wanted to help and why and how that when I sat down to interview for those roles, I could confidently talk about it. And I was able to then land those jobs because I now had the capacity for it. And so today I've just one year into doing this full time on my own and have been serving small business owners in a done for you capacity and have launched now kind of the done with you and the DIY options because I want to teach people because I know, and we're going to talk about this today, there's so much noise in the online space from the Instagram gurus telling you, just do this, you'll go viral. Well, that's not even a part of the puzzle. It's like a teeny tiny sliver, but it doesn't have to be that somebody goes back and gets an MBA to figure out how to market their business. And sometimes they just need a little bit of support in creating that roadmap. And so that's what I'm working on doing today for small business owners. I think this is such an important, important part in the market because, and I know you said this and we'll touch on this um, again as we go forward, but there are so many times where people start a small business because they are really skilled at something or because they have found an answer to a problem that people experience and they might have the product or the service that they know is going to change the lives of others. But there's so much to being a small business owner and operating an LLC or a side hustle or a corporation, like regardless of your business model, like you're very rarely going to be just doing the thing that you started the business to do. You're going to be doing the payroll, the janitorial work, if you have a physical location, and you're going to be doing the marketing. And I feel like, especially in those businesses where it's a solopreneur or they have a very small lean team, there isn't always that opportunity to have somebody who is 
that marketing expert that they really do need in order to navigate all of the marketing opportunities that are in front of them. And so I think that you and I have that really common, like we see that the small business owners need this service. And I love what we're about to dive into, which is your equation of how to really find that success, even for the small business owner who has no marketing background. Because Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure you yeah, see this all the time is that like there's, there are marketing specialists out there that they do marketing for a living. So they're really good at what they do. And they're attracting small business owners to invest in their solution, their service, whatever it may be, quite honestly, sometimes before they're ready. And it's just like somebody going to a specialist for like, I don't know, orthopedic surgery. I'm just like, I just broke my leg recently. So that's on my mind. But (laughs) before seeing a general practitioner, And when you don't have the foundational knowledge around marketing, it can sound like the specialist is going to save your life, change your business, be the magic pill that you're looking for. But without the foundational knowledge, you might not be ready for that, or it might not be the thing that you actually need. There's something else that you need first. And so even if it's just like a marketing 101 knowledge, I really want small business owners to feel confident in that so that when they are going to invest, whether it's their time or their money, it's in the right thing. Mm, I am right here with you. That is so, so important. So thank you for sharing all of your experience. And what I heard through your story too is like that every iteration of your career trajectory has taught you lessons that you use today. So a lot of what you learned early on was that people like marketing method, which is so key in today's marketing. And then moving into the like really getting clear on how to do this so that it can be replicated and you can really get anticipated results that you're looking for. And each role that you experienced has really allowed you to better serve your clients in what your business is today. And are there any like moments Other than that moment that you shared with us when it was like, this is kind of my line in the sand, I'm going to decide to go, to stay or go. Are there any other moments where you really felt like, wow, this is so cool and this is what I really, really want to do? Yeah. When, you know, when I was working in my corporate job, I stepped into the marketing role and the company that I was working for, it was a retailer. Their marketing strategy at the time was very centered around the product. We're going to talk about product. We're going to talk about features and benefits. And then like people are just going to come in droves and give us their money. And I was like, you guys, people can buy stuff anywhere. There is so many ways for us to buy stuff. It's not about the stuff. Like we have to stop making it about the stuff and about the products because they also sold products that weren't exclusive that you could buy other places. And what had worked for them for a long time wasn't working anymore. And I was like, we have to start talking about the brand. And we have to also start talking about the customer and make it about the customer. And what was happening in the organization is there was disagreement on who the customer was. Mm. And so then the messaging was not landing because they were trying to talk to everybody with every single piece of content and with all the messaging. And I was in the fitness space and who I thought the ideal customer was and who we eventually narrowed in on was a beginner. You know, it wasn't somebody who was already super into fitness and leveling up. It was like the person who was trying to get off the couch so that they could live a healthy life. And when we first started down that path, I would talk to customers or potential people. A lot of times when I was like interviewing to add to my team, I'd say, you know, tell me about your, um, idea of the brand or what you think the brand is. And they'd be like, oh, it's for the elite athlete. It's for the, you know, super serious person. And I'm like, see, that's a problem because then the beginner is way too intimidated. And so Mm -hmm. it was about like really narrowing in on that beginner, creating content that added value for that person so that they felt seen, so that they felt heard, they felt understood. And then a big, big piece of it was creating brand values. And I worked with the owner for about six months in trying to pull the brand values out of his head, get them on paper, put language behind them that everybody could understand, and then use those brand values as decision-making filters for both messaging, marketing strategies, and product. And I remember going through that 
exercise over the course of several months. And thinking back to when I was in college, I worked for Victoria's Secret, started when I was 18 years old. I was a manager for them for 15 years. But I remember at 18 years old thinking that someday I wanted to work for a brand, a a cool brand, and help them be consistent across all channels of the marketplace. Now, at that time, I thought that meant I was going to be a district manager and I was going to help people with like coaching and associates and stuff like that. But I realized then when we were writing those brand values, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing that thing that I wanted to do when I was 20 years old. And so that honestly, that moment was like a wow moment. But then it did make, when I resigned, it made it a tough decision because I had poured my heart and soul into this brand and helped build it, but it just was no longer the right time. And it's funny, my husband and I talked about it and he said, you were never going to leave on your own. It took something happening with our son to make you leave. And like, I'll get choked up about it, but like my mama heart, that's what it took. Like God was telling me that like, this is the thing that you're never going to make it on your own if you don't leave. And the only thing that would make you leave is your son. Mm. And it's all just, it's so interconnected and it really does demonstrate that we go through these seasons and we experience these different highs and lows and lessons because it all culminates in what we are ultimately supposed to do. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And well, and all those different lessons. And I love to hear different people's entrepreneurial stories and backgrounds because all those different lessons help you serve your customers. I have conversations with customers all the time that I go back to my retail sales floor days. I go back to those board meetings that I sat in, in corporate retail I go back to, you know, different little things that happened that taught me a lesson that now I can help another client with. Mm, So good, Ruthie. Okay. One thing I want to touch on, and as we are, you know, we're finding ourselves in that time period where we're getting close to the big marketing blitz of whether we're retailers or whether we are service providers, you know, Q3, Q4, those are big times for business. And so I think that this couldn't be a more timely conversation that we're having today than right now. And in what you were talking about just a little bit ago, in that um, moment where you were in the boardroom talking with the CEO about the brand values and really getting those clearly identified, I was listening to a podcast of yours as I was preparing for our conversation today. And one episode that I listened to really honed in on this idea of defining the mission, the vision, and the values, and how that's something that every business owner really should take the time to do. And so right now, if there's someone who's listening out there and they don't have their small business's mission, vision, or values clearly identified, how would you advise them to get started? Yeah. So when I think about your mission, and I remember when I first started even doing like trying to build a side hustle, and I had like a lifestyle blog, and then I was doing direct sales and then like network marketing and reading books about like, you need to have a mission statement and being like, but how, how do I write it? Can somebody just write it for me? And no, nobody can write it for you. But I actually think that before you start your company's mission statement, figuring out your own personal mission statement is really important because your personal mission statement becomes your why. It's why you do the thing that you do. And for me, it was when I became a mom, I looked around the world and saw all of these lifestyle bloggers. It was like the era of the Pinterest mom. And the Instagram mom was just starting to become a thing. And I was like, okay, but none of these people work. So how do they do all of these things? And like, how does the mom who works do these things? Because I wanted to work. I loved work. I've worked since I was 15 years old and I've I've never wanted to be not working. And so I, at that time thought like, there is something in me that is supposed to support working moms because I don't see the support out there. And so that became my personal why. And so you know, that's landed me in lifestyle blogging and health and fitness coaching and all of these things. But when I take it back to the consistency corner, and this goes right back to my story about when I resigned, I had been looking for full-time jobs that had more of a work-life balance, whether it was a work from home or it was a more family-friendly culture or whatever it was. 
And I had interviewed and applied for dozens of jobs and I couldn't find anything. And it's because I wasn't meant to find it. I was meant to create it. And not only was I meant to create it, but I was meant to then help other moms along the way. So growing the agency so that I can add team members of other moms who have a zone of genius and they want that creative outlet or that opportunity to contribute to something bigger than them, but they want to do it on a schedule that's flexible so that they can also take care of their families. Like I was meant to create that for other people. And then for small business owners with what the consistency corner is today, as far as an agency is I'm meant to help women own businesses take that marketing overwhelm off their plate so that they aren't so stressed out that they lead to burnout in running their own businesses. And so that's my personal why. And that then fuels the brand's why. And the brand's why is to remove the overwhelm from marketing for small business owners. And that's the mission that we're on. And that personal why, like that's not splashed all over my website. I'm not talking about that a ton. But I am talking about that with team members. I am talking about that with like a close-knit community. And I am potentially even talking about that with clients if they're the right fit for that conversation. But it guides everything I do and it really does guide the value. So if you're stuck on a mission statement, I would actually say start with your values because looking at what's important to you and a great way to figure out what your values are if you're like, I really don't even know what that is is do a brain dump, like just get words on paper. And then the other things that I like to think about when it comes to values is like, what do you want to be known for? What's something you always say? What's something you want, like a lesson that you want your kids to learn? Those are your values. And you can think about how those values hold up what your company does. And then what your company does, your brand does, who it helps, how and why that can be your mission statement. Oh, that's so, so good. Because I do feel like sometimes we hear these things, like you said, hearing them on podcasts, reading them in books. And it's like, there are these shoulds, but when it's a should, there's often, or maybe I'm overgeneralizing when I'm saying often, but when it's a should, there's a different feeling that comes with it than when we write it with that fire in our belly. Because like you said, it's not always something that you go splashing around for anybody to come upon, but it's that guiding light that helps you stay connected to the business, that helps you stay connected to your clients, that helps you stay connected to what you're ultimately trying to accomplish, even in those low seasons. And that's when that mission and those values really, really, really come in clutch because they keep you going in the direction that you really want to be working towards so you don't veer off course. And it brings you back in those seasons where maybe you're a little bit off course. It's like, oh, remember, if I'm making this big decision, here are the values that are guiding me in which decision to make, and then it'll help me get back. So I love how you broke that down. One of my favorite business books that I ever read was um, Onward by Howard Schultz, who is the former CEO and founder at Starbucks. And he really breaks down Starbucks when they started to struggle as they were scaling, getting away from core values and getting away from the mission and bringing it back to that. And I know as a small business owner who maybe has a small team, they're like, okay, but what can I learn from Starbucks? Like they're Starbucks. It's like saying, what can I learn from Amazon and Walmart? You can learn from them because it's the same thing. It's getting it out of your head and on paper Because even if your team consists of like one contractor, that one contractor is carrying the legacy of your brand forward and they cannot read your mind. They were not there for every step that you took along the way to build that brand up. And so by getting it out on paper and sharing it with your team, you're able to compound the message that your brand has and the authority that you're building with your brand by explaining to them quickly, you know, what's behind it. Uh, One example that I had that really sticks out to me, and it's more recent, um, early in 2023, I was able to go to, well, John Deere, um, like the tractor brand, they're originally from this part of Iowa, but it's still not something that it's like, oh, you know, anybody in Iowa can go experience their production line. But through my husband and his family in agriculture, we were able earlier this year to go into the tractor assembly 
plant in Waterloo, Iowa. And we were able to go on a tour and learn about the history. And one thing that stuck out to me as like above and beyond anything I'd experienced before, every person that we spoke to that day, from the greeter at the front door, to the people at the desk, to our tour guides, to the people in the cafeteria, everybody on the line, no matter what part of the line they were on, they greeted us, they smiled, they said thank you to my husband and his family for being farmers, and they talked about the pride in their job. And to me, that really it it hit a nerve because when I was in conversation with these people, you know, it would be really easy for them to say, oh, here I am at work and here are these people walking through, like watching what I'm doing. Like, I know I would be a little bit self-conscious. And instead they were like, thank you for being here because what you do with this tractor when it leaves the line is feeding us and it's allowing me to stay employed. And they were talking about how their role, whether it was putting on stickers or adding the wheels or bringing the tractor cab down from the ceiling, they knew what their job was that was part of the greater whole. And talking about mission, values, vision from front office through the whole plant, every person in that line was embodying the mission, the vision, and the values of John Deere. And I was Lord. And so to your point, every person in your organization carries on your legacy. And when you prioritize writing it out and then communicating it to the people on your team, they carry that forward like a torch and they will then light up the rest of the world with that. Yeah. And I would imagine in that organization, their mission, their values, they're not on page three of the employee handbook. And that's the only ever time you talk about it. Like they're probably regularly having conversations about those things. It becomes part of the culture. It becomes a part of the way managers and higher executives coach and discuss things and make decisions. And it actually begins well before someone is hired. And that's where knowing your values and incorporating it into your marketing messaging to both consumers and potential employees is super important because then you're going to attract the right people. Because, you know, the people say like, oh, the customer's always right. Well, not everyone's the right customer. And so your values are going to help determine if you're attracting the right customers. But if you're not sharing your values with anybody, then they're not going to be able to do that. Oh, I'm having so much fun. (laughs) This is so fun. (laughs) Okay. So let's pivot slightly. So we're talking, we were talking about like the internal work to get done prior to taking it out to the world. And then you were just telling us like, by doing that marketing, by communicating this out, it will attract the right people. So now I feel like it's a good time to make that transition into, okay, I know I've got this internal work to do with identifying mission, vision, values. Now I want you to share your method. And I love this. Just like love, love, love it. I'm a little bit jealous. I wish I would have thought of it myself. But I love the formula that you share to really help businesses reach success. And you call it your success equation. Yeah. So can you please walk us through what goes into that success equation to really create marketing that matters and drives results. Yeah. So a mentor shared this with me a long time ago in terms of health and fitness, but it quite honestly can be applied to anything. Um, And it's what it is, is that time for, okay, so for any results you're looking for, you get those results through time plus consistency, plus an intensity that you can maintain multiplied by your belief. And that gives you your results. So if your results of whatever it is, are not what you want, we have to go back and look at those four ingredients. You know, belief is the multiplier. So number one, if you don't believe and your belief is zero, well, anything multiplied by zero is zero. So you can forget everything else. That's the thing you have to work on the most. And that's why mindset is like the foundation for everything that you do. But then the time, the intensity and the consistency, sometimes not enough time has passed. You just have to be patient, which I know is hard. But maybe not enough time has passed and the compound effect hasn't had the opportunity to kick in and you've just got to give it a little bit more time. 
But the way that the compound effect eventually kicks in as time passes is through the consistency and the intensity. And when I say an intensity that you can maintain, you know, let's think about if you run a marathon or you want to run a marathon and you've been walking every day for a, like a mile, you walk a mile a day and you've been consistent at that. But that's not intense enough. We've got to up the intensity or we're never going to get to that 26.2. But if you start running 10 miles a day after only walking one mile a day, you're going to burn out. You're going to hurt yourself. And that's not an intensity you can maintain with consistency. So it's a balance of those two together. And I always remind people, consistent doesn't have to mean constant, but we've got to pick an intensity that is actually going to move the needle that we can be consistent with. And people are, so, we're such yo-yoers. We're such like balls to the wall. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to post on social media 17 times a day. I'm going to email mom at my list. I'm going to add a blog and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then after two weeks later, we're like, well, that's not working. And I'm exhausted. So never mind. So because we couldn't maintain that intensity, but if we could stick to three posts a week, one email a month, and a long piece of long form content a month, we can maintain that. And that intensity is going to start to move the needle. And over time, then we can ramp that up a little bit and layer in new things. And that's why I love to talk about planning marketing a quarter at a time, because a quarter gives us an opportunity to see and get some data on what's actually working. So then we can make tweaks versus just like, never mind, this isn't working for me. I think this is so crucial especially for those who are listening and they are of the mindset that social media in particular, and this is like the prevailing narrative in recent years is like social media is your end all be all. It's the silver bullet to all of your marketing issues. You know, you just need to get on reels or get on TikTok and one will go viral and then that will like bring everybody to your doors to buy. And A, I never truly bought into that mindset. And B, I think that you are spot on because the compound effect, not only does it flex that muscle for you as the content creator and as the business owner and make it something that's manageable. Like, you know, if you went viral two weeks into your business, would you be able to like really seriously accommodate if you do have an influx of orders? But it allows us to practice that muscle, like get that market data so that we can make decisions going forward. And it also, it allows us to really demonstrate that we are dependable. That's what I love about the compound effect too. It's like, not that I've just been around for two weeks making seven reels a day. No, I've been here for the long haul, which is a good indication to you as somebody who's considering working with me that I'm gonna be here after you make that purchase. And so I love that you're talking about how Bringing all of these ingredients together creates that compound effect that even though it's not the sexiest thing to talk about, it's really what people are thirsty for in 2023. Yeah. You know, we talk about social media. It's not a marketing strategy. It just like a coffee cup isn't coffee. It's a container for your coffee. Social media is a container for your content, which is part of your marketing strategy. And it's one of many containers that we should be using. And like you said, I mean, a reel could go viral. Well, so what? Like, it doesn't mean anything if we don't have a full funnel strategy behind it. Now, if you have a full funnel strategy behind it and you go viral, good for you. Like, you're probably going to be really successful with that. But business owners who don't have time to begin with, who are spending all of this time trying to crack the code on reels, like, I was just listening to a podcast this morning of like, that's not an income generating activity. It's not. And it's a teeny tiny piece of a much bigger symphony of pieces. And I get it. It can be super overwhelming to figure out where you want to spend your time and where you want to spend your energy. And even when I was in a corporate role with eight people on my team, I mean, I'll tell you, we were not on TikTok because I was like, we don't have the bandwidth to be on TikTok because Mm -hmm. at that time you had to be posting seven TikToks a day every single day for three months to even like begin to think about making an impact on TikTok. And so I was like, we're not going to do it. Now, several years later, add more people to the team, get better, get systems in place, get repeatable processes in place. We could layer that in. 
but it wasn't something that we could do. And so for you, a solopreneur trying to show up on Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and TikTok and LinkedIn and write a blog and serve your customers, like you're asking for burnout. Yes. And to go back to what you had said previously, then pick the platforms that you can show up on consistently over time Mm -hmm. and really hone in on those as your needle movers. Because to your point, there are so many platforms that can be your container, but you can't be on every single one, nor should you, because your audience isn't going to be on every single one. So it's having, again, going back to like mission, vision, values, identifying your target person, knowing enough about that target person to know where they prefer to interact with you and consume information and content, and then strategically deciding to use those as your containers for your content. Yeah, It really is like, again, you're not throwing spaghetti at a wall. You are really thinking through what you value, what your audience, your ideal customer values, and then create for that. Yeah. And I think a big thing when you say create for that, another thing to to keep in mind is that one piece of content is not going to save your business or change your business. It's again, it goes back to the compound effect. And thinking about your content with what is the intention behind this piece of content? And what I mean by that is we've got attract, we've got nurture, and we've got convert. And one piece of content cannot do all three ever. It could maybe do two, but it cannot do all three. And what happens, I see a lot of business owners do is they get really stuck in one phase of the funnel and they create nothing but attract content, which is like reels or quotes or, you know, things like that, but then they're never nurturing and adding meteor value or they get really stuck in nurture and they're doing a lot of educational content and value add, but they're never asking for the sale and having convert content. Or we get into convert where it's like buy my thing and then that's all we do. And so then people are ignoring us because that's all we're asking for. And I get it. It's hard to bounce back and forth between the different pieces of content. And that's where planning out your content calendar can be so incredibly helpful because then you can look and see, am I doing enough nurture? Am I doing enough attract? Am I doing enough convert? Because we've got to make sure that we're doing all three for moving people through the funnel and actually creating those relationships. I love, that's exactly where I was going to take you because you had said something about that marketing funnel. And I know I don't touch on it enough in this podcast. So I'm so glad that you brought us into that. And that funnel, just like you're talking about, I mean, the name alludes to it, like any funnel where you're like, I know I've used it for milk jugs. So you put your funnel inside your like milk jug that you want to fill up with water or another partial milk jug, but you don't want to spill it. So you put that funnel into the smaller hole so that you can pour the liquid in and you're going to go into the second jug. So a marketing funnel is like that too, where it's wide at the top. And to your point, that's where we're talking about awareness. We want to just get out there that we have this brand, that we have this product, that we have this service, and we just want you to know that we're here. You might not be ready to buy from us. It might not be your specific flavor of the month, but you at least know that we exist and what we're here to do. And then as the funnel, like into our two jugs goes down and closer to the second jug, like it gets narrower. So that's where we're talking about the content like you discussed, sharing that meteor value, sharing education, really nurturing the sale, moving them from just knowing about us to like, maybe I'm going to buy from you. And then ultimately asking for that sale, getting them to become a client or customer. So if you've not heard the funnel before, that's what a funnel concept is. And I love that you broke it down into those three simple ways to understand it. And do you have like a recommendation or do you have like a rule of thumb when you're planning out content with your clients? How do you balance that awareness, nurture, and convert so that it doesn't seem like it's too much of one or the other? That's a great question. And I think it's different for product-based businesses versus service-based businesses, Mm -hmm. which is one thing that like, like drives me nuts with the Instagram gurus is that like we're throwing out tips and hacks but we're not talking about necessarily who this is for. And I was talking to a group of business owners about Instagram and social media. And I said, listen, a lot of the tips and hacks that are being shared are tips and hacks for personal brands and influencers. If you are a service provider or a product-based business owner, you're not a personal brand or an influencer. 
So you don't have to listen to that. You do something different. Because what personal brands or influencers, and let's just say influencers, what they sell is they sell entertainment. And then you happen to buy something because you've created a relationship with that entertainment. But if you're a service provider, a lawyer, a therapist, a educator, whatever it may be, you're not selling entertainment, you're selling a service. And so the way that we're using our content to move people through the funnel is different. And so, I mean, I would say as like a starting point, a third for each one. And then from there, we want to get really strategic on your launch calendar, your actual, you know, what your offers are, your product suite, your offer suite, and also how long you've been in business and what your current customer list is. And I'll go back to my corporate experience. We were in a season when I took over that the company had been in business for about 15 years. Um, No, maybe not even that long probably about 11 years. And they'd been through some rough years. So there had been some things going on in the economy, whatever, that had some tough times. And the marketing budget was very small. And so there was not a whole lot of attract marketing happening. And there was a lot of nurture and there was a lot of convert. And we were relying very heavily on the existing customer base, which was fine. We were able to maintain, but that's all that was happening was just maintaining. There wasn't a whole lot of growth. But then once we started investing in more attract strategies, that's where the growth started to happen. But the thing is, is when you start investing in attract after you haven't for a long time, and I'm talking about ad spend here and ad spend isn't for everybody at every single time. But when you do, the return on investment doesn't happen immediately because ad spend around attract is just getting people into the top of the funnel. So then as they move down, eventually they're going to convert and eventually you're going to see that return. But if you never fill the top of the funnel, you never grow. And so when it comes from an organic content perspective, that's where I tell people, like, at least make sure we're focused on a third for each phase. And then from there, we really need to get specific based upon what's happening in your individual business, which is quite honestly something that not somebody can't teach you in a 30 second reel. (laughs) Oh, you're just like dropping so much goodness today, Ruthie. (laughs) I think. It's the things that people need to hear. Yeah, we're not going to solve our marketing problems overnight. It takes that compounding. It takes that consistency. And it takes that understanding that there are going to be seasons where you need to gain that awareness and then you need to nurture. And there are going to be those times where spending ad dollars makes sense. And there are going to be times where you can scale that back. And it all goes back to, I mean, we're bringing this baby full circle, the mission, the values, and who you serve. And I really do feel that when you take the time to identify those things, it's going to continue to help you, even if it's a couple of years down the road and you're like, it's time to spend ad dollars. How do we set these up? It's like, well, we said, this is our person we're honing in on. This is the values we have. That starts to help you make sure that you're getting to that person, the dollars you're spending behind that advertising campaign makes sense. And it's really, again, setting you up for success from the jump. Yeah. My favorite analogy about marketing is that it's like salad and you can eat iceberg lettuce with some like sad old carrots and fat-free dressing and it's salad. You are going to get some nutrients from it. And then you can also eat like superfood quinoa and kale and spring mix and spinach with blueberries and walnuts and delicious poppy seed dressing. And you're maybe going to get more health benefits from that boosted up salad. But both of them are salad and you can have a smaller marketing budget and strategy or an amped up, you know, like what Walmart and Amazon are doing. And they're both marketing, but if they both take time. Because nobody eats a salad and is immediately like, well, I'm healthy. I'm done. Like, no, no, no. We have to keep eating salad and we have to eat salad for a while to actually see the benefits of that salad. And marketing is the same way. And I, I just, I think that's my number one message for small business owners. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic pill. There's no magic shake. It takes time or it takes money or it takes both. <laughs> oh, so good. Ruthie. Our time together has gone so much faster than I really wanted it to, but uh, I'm going to start bringing this to a close, land the plane. But before we do, I want to really, for people who are listening and they 
love your message. They love the way you approach marketing and they want to know more and maybe get a taste of how you help customers and clients. What is one thing you can do or one place you can direct them that really will help them get some immediate impact and also get a flavor of what it's like to be with the consistency corner? Yeah. So, you know, as we're heading into the fall and starting to think about holiday, I mean, I always say like Christmas in July, we should, if we are in business, we should be thinking about Christmas in July. Like that's why it's a thing. And quite honestly, it's because that sets you up for success in Q4 because every year it comes earlier than we expect. So I've got actually a gift for the listeners in a holiday content planner. And so it's a six-week framework starting with Black Friday weekend or week going into the end of the year. And this is a framework that I've used for several years in the retail space, but I've also provided a version for service providers of getting you started with prompts and ideas. And these can be used for email. They can be used for social media. They can be used for stories or posts. But it's just a great way to get your wheels spinning if you've never created a content plan. And so you can grab that at theconsistencycorner.com slash holiday content planner and have at least six weeks of content kind of started for you. Oh, this is going to be such a great tool and resource for our listeners today. Ruthie, if people want to connect with you, what are some other places online that they can be directed to? Yeah. So I hang out at the Consistency Corner on Instagram and I'm the host of the Consistency Corner podcast where like Molly, I share a lot of tips around marketing for small business and mindset. I bring, I am not a mindset coach, but because I believe in the power of mindset, I bring on a mindset coach once a month and we have a mindset topic because I think that is the basis of everything that we do in business and in marketing. Um, So you can connect with me there. Oh, I love that you mentioned that because we can talk strategy all day. But like in your equation with that belief multiplier Mm -hmm. and like you're discussing with your mindset episode every month, there's just that intangible impact of energy and that can make all the difference in the results that you experience. So thank you for bringing that to the forefront again. Yeah, absolutely. Ruthie, we end every episode with what I call the small talk round. It's just a couple of off the cuff questions that I did not send you preparation for. Are you game? I love it. Let me tell you my favorite icebreaker. If I'm in a group, I do this with some of the groups that I'm in is I like give them a number between one and 20 and tell them to pick a question. And then I just pull random questions. So yes, I love this. Oh, fantastic. Okay. These really are ones that are just like coming to me in real time. So question number one, where did you get that wallpaper that's behind you? Yes. And I my, will make sure to put a picture so that it's a visual for everybody. Yes. Too. It is my pink palm print wallpaper. That's what I Googled, pink palm print wallpaper. And I found it on Etsy and I found several great options, but this one was pink and teal, which are my branding colors. So I knew I had to have it. Oh, I love, I think it's such a great thing when you can like convey your brand, not just in your marketing materials, but you take it through to like the clothes you wear and the color of your headphones. And so- I had to ask that question. All right. Number two, let's say that you are preparing for a new podcast guest. What are two questions you always make sure to put into the question lineup? Yeah. So I always ask our guests to share one of their brand values because I think that is just really fun to hear those stories and not only what the values are, but how they landed on that, kind of how they came to that decision. And then I always ask um, for their favorite or recent favorite personal development book um, because personal development is such a big, important thing to me. I love to hear what other people are reading and learning from. Mm, I love that. Okay, question number three. Before the end of 2023, what is one goal that you have personally? Oh, that's a good one. So 2022, as I launched my solo business career um, and full-time entrepreneurship, I got into some maybe unhealthy (laughs) health habits and got out of the working out routine. So by the end of 2023, I want to be back to a um, fitness routine where I am working out with consistency. Ooh, consistency is the through line and I am right beside you. Like I'm slowly building up that consistency muscle. I'm not going all in until I burn out. I'm just like 
starting with three days a week and then we'll build from there. Yeah. And of course in 2023, early 2023, I was like, oh yeah, I'm back on the wagon. I'm going to do this. And then I broke my leg. And so then it was like a big break in that. And so today we're kind of in the, I'm going to physical therapy twice a week. I'm trying to get out and do my own workouts two or three times a week. And so getting back into that habit. And by the end of the year, I'd like it to be you know, one of those habits that's a no brainer that it at one time in my life it was, but I want it to get back to that of like, I'm getting up, I'm having my coffee and I'm going out to do my workout. Mm. Okay. Last question. If there was one book that you had everybody listening, go pick up today and start reading, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. I wish I could pick two, but I'm going to narrow it down. And I'll throw in there really quick. We've already talked about the compound effect. So that's one. But the one that is my favorite, favorite book for marketing is Marketing Made Simple by Donald Miller. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. Donald Miller fan who's the author of The Story Brand. If you, you don't even need to read The Story Brand first, but Marketing Made Simple, I'm telling you, I read that book and was like, I get it now. And not only do I get it, but like, I know where to prioritize the strategy you know, needle movers. And that book does a really great job of helping you understand the parallels between your website and your marketing. And I'm sure you and I could have a whole nother conversation about this, that like web design and marketing are not the same, but they need to be best friends. And you really understand that in reading this book. So I highly recommend that one. Mm, We'll make sure that we link that in the show notes. Yes. Rufy, I had a blast nerding out with you about marketing today. And I know this is going to be a listener favorite. Uh, Thank you so much for being so generous with your time and with your expertise. And I just so appreciate you. Yes. I'm so excited that we got a chance to connect. And I, you know, we say it all the time. Like, I love the internet. Like Molly and I met on the internet. And how fun is this that we get to connect and chat on Zoom and chat with all the listeners thanks to technology. So thanks for having me. It really is a great thing. Thank you. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.